1: Yes, indeed. Off the Thanksgiving weekend, we're almost done with November. Good to be back on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. I am merely TJ Reeves. He is the owner, the operator, the man that we love the insight from everything on Sports Media Watch. He's Dr. John Lewis back aboard. Good to be back with you and an awful lot to discuss. First of all, how did the holiday weekend go? Everything good?
2: Oh uh, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, a little under the weather, that's nice, Uh, you know, how it is sometimes you you get a family member that doesn't know how to cough properly. (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, sometimes it's easier when they're four than when they're 65. Then it's like, well,
1: you know, you probably right. Know you should you it. should know, and we should yeah. take better care of this. But I'm glad you're feeling better. Uh, we do need no, to. No, I'm cover just getting this. started. I'm just I getting started. I understand, this. but you look. I could see you on the podcast. You look like you're fine and, okay, and good. good. I'm gonna. Good. I'm, you know what? I'm gonna perk you up with a special guest that's gonna join us that we'll talk about a little bit here. That's gonna be with us here in a few uh, in a few minutes. So I'm gonna perk you up on that here in just a second. Um, we do want to remind the audience, however, you found us through John's site, through a social media link. Make sure you're following or subscribing SportsMediaWatch.com podcast feed uh, that includes our show. It includes uh, George Hoffman's "Tell Me a Story I Don't Know" great uh, interview podcast that he has with different personalities, primarily with a Chicago tie, but he talks to national people uh, as well um and so we love George's stuff and then Mike and Phil with the Announcer Schedules podcast as more and more people begin to find that and understand they go over who calls the game, great uh, highlights on their podcast, etc. So we love Mike and Phil they're out a little bit later on in the week every week. So follow or subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, leave us a review as well. You want to know how you can help the show? Leave us a review because as more and more of you review us, more and more will be able to find it through Apple, through Spotify, uh etc. With that out of the way, I want to get into some of the news of the week. But we've—I've got to cover the cliffhanger here. Did we ever get the leak resolved? You were having a leak oh, yeah. in and around the washer. Did we get that resolved? A cliffhanger from previous episodes of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. How's it going with that? Finished up? Fixed up? Still in progress? What's the update?
2: Well, uh, there's definitely a problem with the washer. We're just waiting for the part to come in. And so, uh, you know, hopefully sometime soon. uh, I'm still in good shape. I I don't, you know, I I always, like I said, i got six weeks of clothes (laughs) at a (laughs) given time. So I'm good. I'm good until Christmas, at least. You're
1: not going to have to write to Santa to get more clothes between uh, now and the first of the year. That's not going to have to happen. Okay, so that's good. On that update, you're always updating us on different things. So we got much to get to. I'm going to go ahead and give the audience uh, the update and give John the update. Tiki Barber will be here from WFAN in New York, midday host with uh, Brandon Tierney, Tiki and Tierney. Uh, also, CBS Sports's coverage of the NFL, and I've had the privilege of working the last three years with Tiki on Compass Media Networks' coverage of college football. John Tiki and I worked the Iron Bowl this past weekend and Alabama's latest win over their arch rival, forty-nine to twenty-seven, Saturday. Tiki will also work with Greg Daniels, one of the main voices on Compass Media Networks. Greg and Tiki will work the Big Ten title game Michigan and Purdue Saturday night from Indianapolis. We'll talk to him about all of that. And I know uh you're gonna be anxious to ask him some different questions uh as well coming up on on the fact that he was obviously very prominently on the Today show at one at one point and doing a lot of news, doing a lot of news entertainment outside of sports. He's had he's had really a fascinating. Uh, media a uh, career really over the last decade and a half right yeah
2: so uh, it will be interesting to talk to him about that you know um uh, morning shows chew people up and spit them out you saw that with <laughs> josh elliott who had a yeah. career and then lost it i mean he's completely gone and he It's amazing about josh elliott he didn't even like do anything there were no me too stories right. about him people just didn't vibe with him and he was driven out of the industry altogether
1: Interesting. Uh, That's a great name that you bring up. And there are others, too, that have kind of been there and then they're gone. They're not there anymore. Like whatever happened, I'm just asking, whatever happened to Ann Curry, who was always on the Today Show? I have no idea. She was there. I know there was the stuff with Matt Lauer, and we'll probably get into that with Tiki a little bit, but I I don't even know at at this point where where she is. So it, it just happens that way sometimes uh interesting I just I just contemplated this Tiki has not played in the NFL since 2006 I know that so there's such a generation now that doesn't know him for his playing career doesn't know him for playing at the University of Virginia or the New York Giants they know him from his media career in New York or the Today Show or doing football games that's crazy to contemplate uh here as we do this edition of the show so Tiki's coming up in a little bit let's get into some ratings and speaking of uh games and events when we left the airwaves we were headed to the thanksgiving holiday we now know the thanksgiving day ratings including a massive number speaking of tiki's giants for the giants playing against the dallas cowboys on thanksgiving day john give us the quick breakdown because we're going to kind of go in sequence for what was a fascinating weekend for fox with the nfl thursday The World Cup Friday, Michigan-Ohio State Saturday. This was by design, then more NFL on Sunday. Give us, first of all, Thanksgiving, and the numbers not just for Fox, but overall.
2: Well, uh, it was a tremendous day for the NFL, 42.1 million viewers for Giants-Cowboys. So that was actually more than Fox initially said, uh, which is 42 million, uh, 42.1 million, up 3% from last year. The funny thing is the ratings were down. The 12.7 rating was down four percent from uh, raiders cowboys last year uh but uh viewership most watched regular season nfl window on record uh realistically you know out of home plays a role in that we all know yes. that there are nfl windows that have had more viewers over the past even just the past 10 years uh, much less overall all time if you have out of home for you know the, the 90s we're, we're talking about better numbers then but you work with the numbers that you have and based on the numbers that we have it's the most watched nfl regular season window on record we know it's not really the most watched regular season <laughs> window on record, but that's the number we have uh 32 million for bills lions you could make an argument that's more impressive that's 32 million viewers in the noon window for a lions game i mean that's an, an unbelievable number again out of home plays a tremendous role in that right but again based on the numbers we have I mean, I I don't think you can possibly argue that 32 million viewers for a Lions game that starts at noon Eastern, even on Thanksgiving. I mean, it's a tremendous number. And then wrapping it up, NBC with 24 million for Patriots Vikings. NBC obviously puts in their Peacock numbers. So that'll be over what, 28, 26 million, something like that. And that was the most watched primetime game on Thanksgiving since, uh, let's see, 2015. Again, the out of home caveat. The interesting thing, that's a great number, but you know 18 million fewer viewers than Giants Cowboys so that
1: that's amazing that it was that yeah. much less i mean you warned us that not as many people stick with it it's a long day everybody's right. eating in the eastern and central time zone a lot of people start to go home they go to go to a movie or go do something else if there's a or do people still go to movies i don't know my wife and twins and i we did go to the theater on third on uh, Wednesday night but I don't know how many people still go to the movies on Thursday or Friday but people people have been eating and around family all day by eight o'clock Eastern time was your point going in and I agree with that it just it's interesting it was 18 million less that's a lot less obviously for well, the prime time yeah
2: that's not as bad as last year when it was 20 million less but wow. uh, the reality is that the Cowboys game is for the whole family and the primetime game is for the junkies. Right. And, you know, the, the NFL. Gamblers. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, the fantasy NFL football. Yes. Twenty four million, 24 million diehard fans. That's not bad. Right. And that that's really what the, the what the night game is. It's NBC should have gotten a rotation in the new contract where they get the Lions game one year, the Cowboys game another year, and the primetime game the third year. And each of the networks rotates because being stuck with that primetime game, it's really not, I mean, it's obviously a huge audience, but if you're talking about Thanksgiving NFL, I mean, you know, it, it pales in comparison to what you get in those other windows.
1: All right. So now let's move to Friday in the U S and England ended up playing in a scoreless tie. Give me some insight into that, because we were speculating about the TV audience size. I thought it would be uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of at least 12 million, maybe more. Um, Tell me about how that did for the FIFA World Cup. And that's also going to lead to the United States and their matches. As as you and I are taping and releasing the podcast, they have won the match with Iran and have moved on um, uh, to the uh, round of 16, the knockout round. But go back to Friday for me and give me a little reference point as we progress through the Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, that would
2: be 15.4 million viewers on Fox alone, and that includes the pre-match window. So the actual match window number will be higher. Uh, Fox told me this afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, that uh, those numbers, the match window is still not out yet for that match. So we're going to wait a little bit longer. Uh, The record for men's soccer in this country on a single network is 18 million on a match window basis for Portugal, U.S. in 2014. So... If you have 15.4 million with the pre-match included, you take the pre-match out, which for Fox is a full hour, you would think that the match window will be higher than that 18.2 number, and it'll be a record.
1: And I do it for you with the caveat and the understanding you weren't measuring out of home back in 2014 or 2010. So when you hear these numbers, understand that uh, when people were watching uh, massively at a sports bar or so, at a gathering or whatever. There was no way to measure that accurately back 10 years ago, 14 years ago, when you're looking at audience sizes. That's uh, all right. Yeah, go ahead. Finish no, up That's on that an point. excellent.
2: It's an excellent point. This is the first World Cup men or women's in the out-of-home era. So, you know, that requires a tremendous – and it's also you know, on a holiday weekend. You know,
1: so and as we pointed out, it was going head to head with college football on Friday because of the oh, time displacement that. of it being the summer in the Middle East, the summer months in the Middle East, you were going head to head with Texas playing Baylor. Yep. And I'm trying to remember Tulane Cincinnati was one of the games Boise State and Utah State was on CBS. So you had three or four college football games that could detract. Let's say several million people, not just, you know, a few right. hundred people. It was probably several million people that were checking out college football on yeah. that Friday. So there's there's certainly
2: the advantages and the disadvantages as well. They don't quite cancel out. I think the advantages still beat the disadvantages. But ultimately, I think if you're Fox, you're thrilled. And I think, you know, Michael Mulvihill has been kind of wondering about this on his Twitter feed. Everyone assumed that a Winter World Cup would be a ratings death knell. Understandably so because it's a bad time of year, football competition, and we saw what happened to the NBA and NHL and Kentucky Derby and all of those events that aired months out of their normal uh, season two years ago. So it made sense to predict that even with the U.S. in, that this would not be a good ratings you know, situation for Fox. The real question now is maybe a Winter World Cup is preferable from a ratings perspective at least if you've got the U.S. in there. And frankly, even without the U.S., the numbers on Telemundo are very high so far. So it seems like this is working out quite well. Out of home obviously provides a major caveat if you're trying to compare to past years. But just on their own, just, you know, without any comparison to past years one way or the other, these are impressive numbers. 15.4 million, including pre-match coverage, beats every game of the NBA Finals and World Series over the past three
1: years. Mm, interesting now let's move again a lot of this is around fox ohio state and michigan massive number for the michigan route and we'll talk some more with tiki barber about michigan being in the big 10 title game but they they scored a devastating win and fox obviously cleaned up again what a role they had from thursday to friday to saturday and then to the nfl sunday john keep it in perspective for the uh ratings breakdown on saturday of college football
2: Well, we only have Michigan, Ohio State. That was 17 million viewers, the most watched regular season college football game in 11 years with, again, the out-of-home caveat. So I can tell you right off, there's no way it had more viewers than Ohio State, Michigan in 2016, because this was 17 million viewers with out-of-home, and the 2016 number was 16.8 million without out-of-home. So we know it really was not more watched than that 2016 game. But based on the numbers we have, it was the most watched regular season college football game since 2011. LSU Alabama, uh, you know, a great number for Fox, frankly, a little bit lower than you would think given both teams were undefeated. Uh, but the stakes are not what they were in 2006. The last time they were both undefeated because there's no, in 2006, there's no conference championship game and there's no playoff. So it was,
1: you win and, and how you're how much the- higher, uh, right, right. And how much higher was the 06 number for uh, 21 Ohio 21 million. 21 wow.
2: million. Yeah. But
1: still, I mean, and we keep saying this for some that may be new to this. I know it's kind of a broken record for those that listen to us regularly. There's nothing else getting 17 million on a Saturday, even in prime time besides college football. That is a massive number relative to what else is on non-football, non-sports as well.
2: No, it's a a great number. uh, No doubt about that. Uh, you know, uh, really, the only thing outside of sports that gets a kind of number nowadays is the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. There's 21.7 million on NBC and wow. 7.2 million on CBS. You combine that, that's uh, close to that Bill's Lions number. Uh, but that's the only thing on TV that 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 can do nearly as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, the reality is that uh, if you've got big time sports, you've got the most valuable thing there is in in the industry.
1: We had the parade on in my house for a couple of hours. Uh, that is for sure. And you were saying we don't have the Auburn-Alabama audience from CBS, no. much less USC, Notre Dame, and Primetime. I was curious about that. It's a cliffhanger off the podcast. I'll have to read it on sportsmediawatch.com. How about that for a plug Yeah. To find no, out no. what the numbers are?
2: Tomorrow they'll be out. Uh, I will say uh, uh, now uh, the fast national numbers from Nielsen now include out-of-home viewing. So before the fast nationals, which are kind of preliminary numbers you can get the day after, did not have out of home. So the networks did not report them. Now they do have out of home. So that's why the networks are very aggressive in reporting all of those numbers for Thanksgiving, the U.S. team, and uh, Michigan, Ohio State. Those numbers were pushed out a day after the event. Normally, they would have been on hold until at least tomorrow because the fast nationals didn't have out of home and the final nationals did. So if you report the fast nationals early, you're kind of underselling your audience, right? This is all about PR. So uh, I will note that there was no fast national release on the Iron Bowl, uh, Notre Dame USC. Doesn't necessarily mean those events didn't do well. The networks have to pay for fast nationals. Maybe they didn't want to do that. Maybe they weren't anticipating the need to, uh, but uh, certainly those numbers aren't out yet. So if they were really amazing blockbuster numbers, probably, probably know by now.
1: Hmm. Interesting. All right. And we'll see what that USC Notre Dame did uh, relative. And then on Sunday, just real quick for the different time windows, I was obviously in Cleveland for the Buccaneers and the Browns, which was one of the primary games early on Fox. And then they had the, uh, the later broadcast that included Kansas city and the LA Rams who were not very good uh, in the afternoon Uh, windows along with what Chargers Arizona and Seahawks and Raiders, which finished in overtime. I know um, uh, after you talk about the ratings, I want you to say something, too, because uh, our guy Scott Hansen of the NFL Red Zone uh, was issuing an apology because uh, they were leaving the game with the game in overtime and, and most of the country was not able to see the game, blah, blah, blah. But give me a little bit on Sunday for the NFL to wrap that up.
2: Well, we have no numbers from Sunday. Uh, mm-hmm. Remember with Thanksgiving, everything gets pushed back a day. So those will all come out tomorrow, Wednesday. Sure. Uh, as far as the Hanson situation, you know, Red Zone is under these rules this year. I don't believe these were the rules last year where if there's one game left, they have to cut away. They can't show it. So normally they don't get burned because the last game is usually part of that 425 window. If it's part of that 425 window then you know if it's a if it's a featured game the whole country's watching it anyway even if it's a secondary game the whole country's probably watching it because you will typically once the league game is done you'll do the bonus right. the problem is this past week the last game going was a 405 game most of the country didn't have that to begin with right so as a result you tune in you go to CBS it's 60 minutes you missed a great overtime finish not a great look for the NFL but the NFL could care less. The reality is CBS is paying them a lot of money and uh, they care more about the people paying them the money than they do about, <laughs> you know, and else. we
1: should explain the dynamic that obviously that was a game that started earlier than the 4:25 games, but it ran longer with a lot of scoring and the overtime went a little long because there were three possessions uh, in the overtime. And so what happened is Scott Hansen had to explain guys, we can't show you the game anymore. We can show you highlights of the previous games because that's the only game going. We can't show this anymore. And I liked what he tweeted, which is, do you think that I I did this? Of course not. I have bosses. We have rules. Of course I wanted you to see the game. And I was under the impression that a lot of you were able to see the game. He didn't know until after the red zone was over that only some markets in the West had been getting primarily Seattle and, uh, and the Raiders. And most of the country wasn't seeing it in the first place, if not for the red zone channel. Now, the argument would be, You can have your direct TV subscription that has all the games. You can have the red zone that's showing you the highlights. And here's another thing. Social media now has highlights from the game going constantly to be able to keep up with it. I mean, immediately within, within a minute or two, you've got a highlight on social media of what happened in the game and scoring plays, especially. So it's not like most of America from 1991 or even maybe, you know, 1998 wouldn't know what was happening in that game immediately you knew what was happening. If you wanted to find out, you could find out uh, from all the various ways that we're talking about. So there you go. Yeah, right.
2: but you find, but it's not the same when you see it after the fact. It's just not the same. I,
1: I'm just, I know, but I mean, you got you to gotta go back to a time period, and I appreciate this because I'm, I'm older than you and those that are older, and I'm getting older, I guess. You got to appreciate the fact that back in the 1980s, for example, a lot of times your home team was blacked out because the game didn't sell out. So, for example, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were always awful. We never got to see their home game anyway. And on a Buccaneer home game Sunday, we would only get two games, not three. We've got a blacked-out Buccaneer game that we can't see, and because of the TV rules, we only get two games. And there is no Sunday ticket, John Lewis, and there is no Internet. So I'm now watching Chris Berman and Tom Jackson for the highlights of all the games after the fact that I haven't seen. That's what it used to be. On a Sunday, so yep. now we're complaining that I I had to watch the touchdown sixty seconds after it happened on social media, on well, uh, whatever platform. I get, so. I,
2: I get it. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's twenty twenty two, right? You know, you want to be able to see it. Uh, the, once the moment is passed, you're watching ESPN Classic at that point, right? The whole point is seeing it in the moment. When I uh, many years ago, I was watching, uh, you know, a stream of. Uh, uh, A Cavaliers Pacers game and LeBron is there. And uh, I saw on Twitter that LeBron hit the game tying shot at the buzzer well before it actually happened. And it takes you out of the moment. Right. So, you know, it's I understand people were frustrated. And, you know, look, the league's not going to do anything about it. The NFL knows the NFL survived Donald Trump, the president of the United States, taking a direct shot at it for months on end. And Donald Trump didn't do jack to stop the NFL. So if the NFL can survive that, man, this is a, this league is untethered and unbound, and it's a, a rampaging King Kong, okay, that will not be stopped by anybody and, and not care one way or the other whether people like it.
1: In terms of audience, it's tough to argue with that. That's for sure. Uh, all right, so we have done well. Speaking of the NFL... And speaking of a distinguished career as a New York Giant, a 10,000-yard rusher, love Tiki Barber. Let's get some more insight on his media uh, exploits, uh, his media experiences, and much more in a special conversation right now. As promised, we get the opportunity to talk to a guy that I spent part of Thanksgiving weekend traveling and doing the 2022 Iron Bowl, Alabama and Auburn, where the Crimson Tide won yet again uh, over the Auburn Tigers. That is Tiki Barber, who was with me on Compass Media Network's radio coverage of that Iron Bowl. You see Tiki as well on CBS Sports' coverage, the NFL. You hear and see Tiki all the time on WFAN, the Tiki and Tierney Show on WFAN in New York is on middays 10 to 2 Eastern Time. Always great to be with you. I'm glad you're not sick of me and still, still willing to return my text and call and come back on. How are we feeling as we start a new week off Thanksgiving, Tiki Barber?
3: so far so good you know it's been a it was a great thanksgiving weekend even though we we both traveled on thanksgiving and but we now get back into the grind of the rest of the nfl season you with the bucks and me following the upstart new york giants but also i'm heading out to indy next weekend for the big 10 championship where somewhat of a surprise that Purdue Boilermakers will take on the juggernaut is Michigan all of a sudden. Uh, they used to just grind the ball into the ground and win that way. Now they're airing it out and throwing for over 350 yards and that big win against Ohio State
1: last weekend. So even though it's calming down, it's holiday season, it's still busy because it's football season. No doubt about that. And you and I were equally surprised because we were not able to see a lot of Michigan's big route of Ohio State, uh, especially in the second half in Columbus – but they deserve it. They, they are unbeaten and now they will work. uh, They will play in the big 10 title game and Tiki will work that game with Greg Daniels on compass media networks. They'll have the call of the big 10 title game national radio coming on Saturday. Uh, I guess one of the first things that I would, I would ask, uh, you've done a lot of television and a lot of television analyst work. What's a difference, a difference or two for the audience that are interested in sports media in your preparation from doing radio versus doing television. How does that work for you? Yeah, it's it's vastly
3: different. I actually feel for you as a radio broadcaster of, of college games, because there's so much that you have to describe when you're doing a TV broadcast. So much of the visual, the stimulus comes from your eyes. Like you, you see it all, but when you're just listening for every minute detail from whether you're moving left or right or how the wind is, is affecting the players or the conditions which aren't uh, readily available to you as a listener of a show uh, on the radio versus what you what you can see on TV. It's more challenging for the play-by-play man, for you. But for me, the preparation is vastly is vastly different because on radio, I'm just waiting to find my spot to throw in my analysis, which then also has to be a little bit more detailed, would it be on? would it be on tv i find on tv though tj it's more of a um you're describing you know why a guy performed a certain way or why he did that and it's like hey look here he did this because or he he reacted this way because and you can visually show it you're you're talking back and forth with the producer the interaction is a lot more um uh, intense behind the scenes you know the talk back button is huge on tv whereas on radio it's kind of like you're just having a conversation with your buddy, which is which is nicer in a sense. Uh, it's not as um, it's not as intense to get it perfect, uh, which is which is what I found the bigger difference. And it's why I sometimes, to be honest, I like doing radio a little bit better than TV on certain days.
1: Did Tiki Barber just call me his buddy? I think there's a reference <laughs> there uh, on the Sports Media Watch uh, podcast. And then just one more follow up. Because you've got a lot of toys, figurative toys at your disposal doing TV. Give us an idea of what that's like because you're not only watching the live game in front of you out the out the window of the booth, you're watching the monitor of what's what's on TV right now, but you have another monitor or two that you're also paying attention to. I know this is audio and we can't we just have to all visualize this, but give us the visual picture, if you will, of what that's like, that dynamic is like with a Telestrator monitor and maybe even another monitor sitting there and you're going through all of that. Go ahead.
3: So so TJ, you're right. So with radio, the only tool, I'll put that in quotes, that I have are my flip cards and and the, the notes that I've already written. That's the only thing I'm really using to describe what's happening because I can only talk about what's in front of me. Whereas on television, you're almost producing while talking at the same time. And, and, and wh- what I mean by that is say I, I, I want to come back to a big touchdown run that Derrick Henry had and it came out the left side. The reason why it worked was because they pulled the left guard and you know he, he came around and, and sealed this block and it opened up because he broke this tackle and the safety overplayed. You actually need to draw that up. <laughs> like You can say it. Uh, on, on radio, you would just say it. But on TV, you visually want to show it. and And so rolling back you know the the teleprompter and getting the producer to stop there and this is all happening in talkback while the play by play guy is talking in real time and so it's it's really complicated mechanics that are happening behind the scenes just to get a little telestration so it's a little bit more work but it's also it's also fun because you get to showcase your knowledge of a game and 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 inform while still having a sense of ex- excitement about the moment that has just happened so in that regard tv is challenging and fun um, and whereas radio, it's just you're just trying to lift it with your voice uh, and and give the atmosphere and, and the intensity of what's happening with just the you know the, the your vocal cords.
2: Well, Tiki uh, Juan, thanks for taking the time to join us today. I wanted to take it back to the beginning of your media career. So working for NBC in the Today Show and Football Night in America, just really big national programs, a lot like what Michael Strahan is doing now before yeah. Strahan. And I was wondering if you, looking back, think maybe that was too much right out of the gate, and if it might be something that you might be better able to do now than back then.
3: Well, it's interesting, John, because my media career, and TJ knows this, started way before I retired. Uh, I started doing WFAN overnight shifts from 10 to 2 p.m. in my off seasons in 1999. So I was only my second year in the league, and I was trying to just find what, Potentially was next. I wasn't good enough of a player at that point to say I'm going to have a 10-year career. Just let me find what else is good. And because I started to get better that following year, we went to the Super Bowl in 2000. These media opportunities, this media lane that I had jumped in. Just started to advance so after doing wfan i started working at wcds which is local television in C in new york and then i went to the yes network and eventually that evolved into um uh, fox news where i was covering things other than sports which set me up to do whatever i wanted when i retired and i could have stayed at fox and traveled to the west coast uh, to do stuff uh, what strahan is doing now but I, I had young kids and i didn't want to travel every weekend all the way out west And so I decided to make the switch and go to NBC, which put me in the Today Show, MSNBC, where I cover the Olympics in 2008, and Football Night in America. I think the challenge for me was understanding how that Today Show world operated. And I didn't have a lot of guidance. It was kind of like, all right, you know, here you go. Go figure it out. And (laughs) what I mean by that, my first day on the job, which was April, I believe, 17th in, in 2007, was the mass shooting down in Blacksburg, Virginia? Wow! And because I was from Roanoke, and my mom and dad are were Hokies, um, Jim Bell, who was our executive producer at the time, called me into his office right after I'd been introduced to the to the world as this new correspondent on today on the Today Show, and said, "We're sending a plane with Matt and and, and all the other uh, um, uh, talent." On NBC down to Blacksburg. Do you want to go? It's your hometown. You know this You know this area of the world better than any of us. And so my first day on the job, I was on a plane to cover a mass shooting, which is not what you would expect just retiring from the NFL, but it, it kind of put me into this journalism mode, which I hadn't expected. Um, and it was, it was interesting, it was challenging, but it's what I've always wanted to aspire to do in my life, which is challenge myself and, you know, I did a couple of really good stories uh, down there, one with a, with a young man who was from my high school and went to K-Spring High School, who saved the classroom by holding the door with his body when the gunman was trying to get through. And he got shot a couple of times, but he survived uh, and he was a hero. And so we did that story. I did that story for the Today Show. And it was it, I mean, it was unique. It was awesome. And I got to be honest, doing news, it's helped me become a better sports um, broadcaster and a sports storyteller, because we often think of athletes by what they do, X's and O's, and that's how we judge them and it's how we evaluate them. But there's really these deep stories behind all of them. If you know how to get to and ask that that question, it makes for a much more complete and compelling presentation of the guys that we're watching and girls that we're watching perform in their respective athletic fields.
2: Yeah, it's a very interesting point you bring up about uh, just right off the bat, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I remember that day, the fact mm-hmm. that you were uh, so new to NBC News at that point. You know, going back to that whole Today Show era, uh, that is one of the toughest jobs in all of TV, that GMA, uh, yeah. CBS this morning, in terms of the media scrutiny. yes, uh, The media is very intense. And we all know all of the various, you know, calamities with Matt Lauer, with Charlie Rose, et cetera, et cetera. How did you deal with that media spotlight? Yeah, that comes with being on the Today Show.
3: Yeah, I mean, you become a different kind of celebrity, and you're. Do, let me back up. So I think athletes, they they're taught how to be. Athletes, how to excel on the gridiron, how to you know be a great basketball player. You're taught how to do all of those things, but you often see athletes insecure in public because they're not taught how to be people, right, and how to interact with the a, a, a regular person, uh, not a non-athlete. And so there's sometimes this awkward dance between what an athlete is on the field and who he is in public. Well, the same thing occurs in, for media personalities. Because all of a sudden you're sitting in someone's lock, uh, living room, and unlike you know in a locker room, say a football locker room, you got to, or on a field, you have a helmet on, and you're you're kind of this caricature of of uh, you know what an athlete is supposed to be. Like you're playing a role, even though you're playing a game, and it's you. It's you're you're this caricature of who you are. Whereas as a TV personality, it's you, right? That's who you are, and people feel like they know you even though um, they are not, they don't really know you, but they see you every day. And so it's a different kind of challenge. And um, I remember you know, when I was retired from the NFL and I had been out of the game for probably five or six years, I went to lunch with, with Strahan. And this is while he was doing Kelly and Michael, Kelly Ripple with Kelly Ripple on ABC. And we went to lunch and it wasn't like dudes who loved the giants that were coming up and hounding them for pictures. It was like housewives and and, and moms and grandmoms who felt like they were his best. he, He was their best friend. And so it's a different like awareness that you have to have about yourself. You always kind of know that people are looking at you all the time if you're an athlete. But a lot of athletes aren't recognizable, right? But as a TV personality, you are known. Right. You are you are that that individual who people come and trust to listen to and give them news and stories and information. And so it's a different type of of um, responsibility that, that, that comes with being um, a, a journalist in that regard. And it's why when there are really negative stories like Matt Lowers, like Charlie Rose's, uh, like others uh, that we've seen over the last you know, decade and a half, It really comes down hard and it's really um, disturbing, I think, to the public writ large.
2: You know, the point you just brought up is very interesting to me about people who come up to you when you're in, in TV versus when you're in sports. Which audience is more demanding? Is <laughs> it, you know, is the sports audience more demanding or is that today's show, morning show audience? More yeah,
3: demanding? you know, I think it's, it's it's definitely the sports audience. You know, the, the 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 beauty and the curse of sports is that the let's call them lessons, but the things that you feel emotionally, like the visceral nature of the response is immediate right it's like you know exactly win or lose or success or failure and um it's 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 intense like it's really intense and and they want an explanation right now whereas the the relationship for tv personality it's it's more it's more nuanced it's more like okay i know you did this last week and you talked about xyz and it's it's a complete picture as opposed to this immediate reaction, I'm reacting to this right here. As whereas in TV, you're reacting to a, like a wide swath of things that you may have covered over you know a month or a year. So it, it, the the interaction with um, the viewer or the consumer in this in this example is very different relative TV versus athletics.
1: And I can testify because this happened in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, almost immediately. We're walking up to the stadium, 90,000 plus, most of them there waiting for the game, waiting to see Alabama pull up in the buses to go. But there was person after person recognizing Tiki. There was a woman right in front of us that Tiki didn't see or hear who completely flipped out. That's Tiki Barber. That's Tiki Barber who walked right by you. Um, and and so I said to her, Do you want to meet him? Do I want to meet him? Yeah, I want to meet him. And so they all came and took a picture. And let me say publicly, I have been with you over and over again in all these different places, and uh, you are fantastic with people coming up to you, bothering us at the dinner table, bothering us trying to get into the stadium, wherever it is. He's tremendous, John, on on that part of it. Um, because it has to after a little while get old and get annoying. I know, yeah, but I, but you know, uh, at the end of the day, I like people, so
3: that makes it easy. And so I I don't mind interacting, you know, with the, with those who have a you know a, an, an affinity. And it's interesting because a lot of them are they they've seen me on TV more than they know me as a football player. Right. So it's, it's just it's a unique it's like an interesting dynamic. Um. And this and the stories have expanded as I've done so many things. Like I was on Sesame Street, and I remember when um, I met my wife's second cousin and her daughter, and she was I don't know seven six years old or something. And she kind of like was standoffish, and then at one point she was like, "Oh my god, you know Elmo." <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was this funny like interaction because you don't you never know when people have 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 had that inter that like that that connection to you, you don't know where it comes from, um, and I don't know where this woman in Alabama. I remember this last weekend. I don't know where like she may have loved, loved me because I was on Fox News, right? You know? 10 years ago or 12 years ago or she could have been a Giants fan or that I have no idea but it it almost doesn't matter
1: I still remember because I have kids wasn't the Sesame Street bit about socks did I watched that I think with my children it was something with your socks and put your socks on and we were learning with Tiki about putting socks on am I right about that no you're absolutely right exactly
3: right and it was fun you know being on Sesame Street is something that I don't know, it's weird. Like I, I remember growing up with Sesame Street and you think it's this this I don't know, this like magical place. And then I actually go there and interact with the puppets and the uh
1: and and help tell a story. It's just it's just cool, man. It's just it's 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 lasting forever. Another fun one. And and this is an interesting dynamic that our audience would be curious about. Okay, so you were a big time professional athlete in New York facing criticism for how you played what you did. Mm -hmm. Now you're on the other side. Now you as we like to say you're in the unclean you're on you're on the (laughs) dark side, because now you're in the criticism business. Now you're in the critique. Now you're giving your analysis. How have you found that? And I'm just curious, you don't have to name names. Have you had a couple of players at some point say, hey, what are you talking about getting on me on WFAN, et cetera? What is that dynamic yeah. like now that you're on the other side?
3: You know, it's interesting because I have had it, uh, um, have players come up and say, oh, I heard you saying X, Y, Z. And my response to them is it's my job, right? Think of a think of a newspaper columnist, not like a beat writer or a story writer, but a columnist whose job is to provoke a response that's what we do on WFAN. It's, it's it's our job. You can't just come out and say, "Hey, the Giants were fantastic last night. They had a great game. Hey, give us a call at, you know, 877 666 630 Like you can't do that, right? You got to say, "This is exactly why I am upset or thrilled or whatever it may be. What do you think?" And so you end up getting these deep um and sometimes just, just uh, conversations, sparking conversations on, uh, on, on radio. And I always tell these guys, it's my job to do that, right? I'm not, it's nothing personal against you. Now, if you do something idiotic and it's, and it's, it's, it's blatantly um, needs to be condemned, then yeah, it will get personal. Um, like Kyrie Irving a, a, few, a few weeks ago. Um, but ultimately it's my job to f- provoke conversation and to get people engaged and not just passively listening but actively listening um, it's unique to the job and i think a lot of people who come into the radio business and you know don't love it or don't find success there it's because they have they don't realize that like it, you you can't be friends with everybody um you know i have the luxury of, of actually being friends with a lot of the people that i talk about and so it it takes the sting away um you know because they know where i'm coming from and they understand it but it's it's part of the job, and if you can't. But if that, Daniel Jones
1: stinks, you got to say Daniel you gotta Jones say stunk. Exactly, sundown. you have
3: to say it. You can't. I mean, you could defend them and, and and try to, but then you lose your credibility, and so you have to call it like it is, and not create the excuse for people that you happen to like as athletes.
2: Uh, On that subject, you know, uh, obviously, as time goes on, you start out as an analyst and you are part of the generation that is still playing. You are Mm -hmm. commenting on your peers. As time goes on, you are commenting on people you don't have an immediate relationship with. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see this a lot in the NBA. Charles Charles Barkley, when he started on TNT, Mm -hmm. he's the peer. He's in his mid-30s. Now he is several, you know, generations removed from the young players. Do you find that it, there's more of a disconnect for you criticizing the youngest players in the game. And do you find that players from, say, Lamar Jackson's generation, Lamar just responding to the fan the way that he did the other day, yeah. are they more sensitive to criticism in this social media era where they without get it doubt. more often?
3: Yeah, well, John, without a doubt, they are so sensitive to it. And un, un, unlike my generation, where if you did hear it, you're like, Yeah, I don't care, who cares? All right? It, 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 there was no echo chamber. So someone who has 265 followers, like this person that Lamar Jackson responded to <laughs> say something, nobody hears it. Right. It's just it's 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 air in the, into the ether. It goes away. It doesn't it doesn't even matter. But in today's society, because of how social media can reverberate many times over, millions of times over, if the wrong thing gets gets promoted, um, you, you, you have to be aware of it. Uh, but being sensitive to it can cause a lot of problems. We saw this you know, years ago, not years, but, you know, a couple couple years ago with Kevin Durant, right, with his burner account. And, you know, you, you ask yourself, why do you care? Right? You, you're, you're, you're making millions and like generational millions of dollars. And you care about what somebody's saying to you on on social media, and so you, there is a sensitivity to that that you have to you know take into account. I didn't, I never had to deal with it, and I'm glad I, I didn't. I probably would have handled it with the same you know level of of. of Can I ask would like you have now.
1: would you have engaged some people? I know your personality, or would um, you have just do you think you would have it. resisted and I just left it. it alone on social yeah, media? Yeah, because because
3: negativity doesn't doesn't suit me. Right, there's certain people who like to be combative and I'm not a combative person. There's very few enemies that I have in my, in my, in my life. And so um, I wouldn't, I would just dismiss it or, you know, say, okay, I'm glad you, glad you, thanks. Thanks for the info. Right. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks for your opinion. Um, but, but it is a challenge. It really is a challenge for these guys because they're a lot of them judge their, um, their worth and their success and their perception and their brands and all these things that we talk about on what 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 permeates the social sphere and it doesn't really define who you are it's just one opinion or thousands of opinions um, that they get
1: crafted because of perception not reality all right yeah. i know you've got to go in a couple of moments john did you have one more
2: yeah, I just wanted to quickly just follow up. Do you think we, that we are close to seeing one of these young stars throw their career away in one of these types of conflicts? I think about John Morant saying, you know, you're free to catch these hollows, make yeah. hollow point
3: bullets, right? Yep.
2: Do you think we're close to one of these guys maybe throwing it all away in a snap? Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. I think we I think we, we will at some point. And, and the reason, John, is because we're going to see this social interaction spill into IRL in real life, right? We're going to see uh, a confrontation that seems innocuous and just, you know, Twitter blather, blather, right? Turn into a real life experience that is going to be dangerous for somebody. And it's why, you know, I think a lot of these athletes, especially these younger ones who were not mature, you know, yet they come into the leagues, they're 19, 20, 21 years old, and haven't quite developed that, that, that funnel load that that, that, that the decision-making um, apparatus uh, in their, in their minds, you're going to see them do something that's going to derail their life, not just their career, but their life. Um, and so it, it's incumbent, I think on the teams to take ownership of that, right. It, it, these, these, these organizations who are spending millions of dollars, I mean, it's literally millions of dollars um, on it on an asset, you have to protect that asset, just like you would anything, like whether it's a car or a house or, you know, a, a, a mutual fund, whatever. You got to protect that asset, and uh, I think teams and organizations are going to really start pushing into that because you're seeing it trickle over. And just as you mentioned, John, that that hollow point bullet thing, which is stupid. Why would you like? There's no reason to say that, um, and and think that there's going to get you're going to feel good for a second, but. Does it really matter in the long term that you're threatening somebody's life on social media when you're a multimillionaire and have a skill that maybe 5% of the people in the world have? No, it doesn't. So there there needs to be a shield, I think, that's going to ultimately get crafted by the organizations themselves or, at the very least, the managers of some of these athletes and celebrities.
1: No doubt. Take some responsibility too. be an adult. I'm with you on that. I know you've got to go coming up in a couple of moments. Let's turn it back to something positive. I could sit here and talk to you forever and John could too, but you got to go here in a second. You're going to work the big 10 title game. So you and I are forever linked with the pandemic 2020 uh, season of doing games in empty stadiums. The first game that Tiki and I did that season in an empty Chapel Hill, North Carolina stadium, I believe for the rest of my life, I will tell that story. That's one of the most bizarre things. And I think you would agree with me that we've ever Uh, done the first, first (laughs) one that we did. So we ended that season working a big 10 title game in an empty Lucas oil stadium. Basically they had about four or 500 Ohio state and Northwestern friends and family that were allowed in a 70,000 seat stadium. Nobody else. They were Uh piping in crowd noise. It was bizarre. Now you have worked the big 10 title game last year, full capacity again, Michigan and Iowa you're about to work it again with Michigan and Purdue so just take me through that we've been through okay. the bazaar of nobody there and then what's it like and what will it be Saturday night with Greg at yeah. full volume full capacity give it to us so
3: so it gets intense and think about the location because it's in Indianapolis uh, at Lucas Oil Michigan's going to travel because it's Michigan and there's millions of alumni from Michigan that love their football so they're going to travel and Purdue. As a surprise squad and uh, the quarterback is, is Aiden O'Connell who's a pretty good player. Um, they're, they're going, cause it's so close. I mean, it's, 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 you can drive there. It's not like you got to right. get on a flight. And so the intensity of the, of the, of the, of the fandom is what's going to be really exciting to witness and talk about when I do this broadcast with, with, uh, with Greg. But the other thing, because a lot of people are already pushing Michigan through, I mean, in, theoretically Michigan should dominate them, but it's a big 10 championship game. I saw a couple of years ago, Ohio state and Northwestern. I mean, it
1: was closer than it should have been. And, you know, Northwestern the- winning in the third quarter, we were, right. we were looking at a significant right. upset of a you team that, it. that right. was going to, that was going to go right. down. They had no business uh, being there, right? No, business. Yeah, it, it was going to go down home. the annals of one of the top upsets. And then you That's just right. never know on this championship just, Saturday. You That's you never your point, know. right? Yeah. But the thing with Michigan,
3: is Blake Coram is a stud, even though he's banged up and only took, I think I had three carries in the Ohio State game, but it didn't matter because Donovan Edwards had two over 200 yards rushing. So their run game is always going to be the same. They have one of the top defenses in football. And so that carries and travels wherever you go. But there was a J.J. McCarthy explosion. I mean, the, if, if Jim Harbaugh, who for the last seven years has been trying to find his quarterback, actually has his quarterback... Michigan's going to be tough, and they should they should run away with this one, uh, get into the college football playoff uh, Final Four, and maybe even do some damage there as well because football is not one or two dominant teams
1: anymore. It's kind of just a lot of really good ones in the middle. And one more quick one on that. We believe that Georgia is in even with a loss that could screw some things up for others. All right, Michigan may be in even with a loss because of the win at Ohio State, don't know. TCU is heavily favored should win if, if, okay, let's play a quick if game. If USC loses the PAC 12 title game Friday night, is that committee going to look at TV and the impact and say, Alabama, are they going to look at it and say, Tennessee instead, because they beat Alabama, even though both have two losses, what do you think might happen with a fourth variable besides Georgia, Michigan, TCU, if USC were to lose, and you had a couple options with two losses, do you think it's automatically Alabama? For the TV purposes and the ratings and the money. It's funny
3: because I would say yes, Alabama, if it wasn't USC. I mean, it's it's USC. This is one of the most storied programs of all time. I mean, going back to the Marcus Allens of the world and the Reggie Bush years and the line, like they are one of the teams that if they're good, it makes college football so much better. So if they should lose the Pac-12 championship, Utah, right, um, I... I I still would think they would get consideration because they'd be in the conversation with Ohio State, who is a one-loss mm-hmm. non-conference champion, didn't even play in the conference championship. Um, Alabama, who is a two-loss non-conference champion, who didn't play in the conversation, versus USC, who is a would be a two-loss also, but conference runner-up. It's it gets interesting from a TV standpoint, and you want West Coast viewers. Yep. I think it makes sense to put UC, USC in, but they're not thinking of it like that way. Uh, they're In theory, they're saying it's the best teams. Um, who was the best of those three that I just mentioned? It's probably Alabama, right? A, a one-point or one possession, less than one possession loss um, against Tennessee and then a an overtime. And then their other loss was, I forget who it was. LSU. Or LSU, two point LSU which was a two-point conversion, right? They lost in... And by three points over over a couple of games. Um, so I think Alabama is the best one, but I think USC makes the most sense. Right. USC is not going to lose, so
1: it's going to be them. We shall see. Should be a crazy weekend. John, I know we've had a blast with Tiki Barber one more time here with us.
2: Yes, no, we really appreciate you being here. Um, Just briefly, you know, we talked before about your career in in news and everything like that. Uh, Is that something that you would like to circle back to before it's uh, all said and done?
3: You know, maybe. The the next evolution of my career, who knows what it's going going to be? I always tell people I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up because I've done so many different things from media to being an entrepreneur to, you know, a lot of philanthropic things that I've done. To being a a marathon runner, I'm still just figuring out my life, even though I'm 47 years old, have six kids from (laughs) a six-year-old to a 21-year-old who's out at Princeton. Um, You know, I'm enjoying life and um, uh, doing news. Though uh, to your question, John is a grind. It's a real grind. I mean, it looks like it looks like it's easy because they get on air and they're they're talking for two hours or an hour or whatever how long that show may be, but it's a full-time job. Uh, It takes a lot. Um, And I don't know if I, with, with young kids now, again, if I want to, if I want to be down that route
1: yet, I got, I got one, he might end up being a movie critic and in particular, or, (laughs) or at least reviewer uh, star Wars and anything Mandalorian. I'll tell one more story about Tiki after we did that big 10 title game 2020 Ohio State and Northwestern. We're in the Indianapolis airport and Tiki's like, I got to see the finale of the season of the Mandalorian. And you know where right. I'm going with this. Right. So I left you for a little bit to leave you alone. You were sitting at a table by yourself and a couple of people were coming up to you, but you were watching the Mandalorian finale going, yes, go <laughs> yes over <laughs> right. the Mandalorian. And I'm like, don't tell me what happens. I haven't watched any of no. this yet. Don't tell me what happens. So John Lewis, I'm just saying, maybe it's movie critic.
3: Maybe yeah. it's film
1: reviewer for Tiki well, now. That,
3: now I'm on to Andor which is the next, the next
1: Star Wars, right? Even
3: though nobody seems to be talking about it, it's a great show and or great
1: because it doesn't feel like
3: the like the traditional Star
1: Wars story. Uh,
2: well, I only saw the first three on VHS. So. <laughs> <Nice>.
1: <laughs> that's it? I know we got to get John caught up on all the ones that have done recently. <laughs> uh with all the with all the star wars continuations and all the stuff great stuff from tiki i have much love for you your brother ronde both your families and everything i always love working with you be proud of me that i didn't call you ronde once again for another year i did not call you ronde once even though i've been around him you
3: were even in germany you were even in germany with With
1: ronde and i didn't call him Tiki. and i I came (laughs) back and didn't call you ronde it all it all went well on that what a treat to have you here on the sports media watch podcast Thank you, Tiki Barber, for being with us. Thank you, TJ, and
3: good to meet you, John. A pleasure. Meet you too.
1: So we finish up one more time, uh, John Lewis, on having Tiki there. Final thought on him. I thought it was interesting. He left the door open about maybe doing news and going back to other things. He's very busy with all the sports and the different stuff that he's doing as well.
2: Yep. Well, you know, uh, certainly uh, there's a lot of people doing what he was doing. Uh, Certainly, we talked about Strahan. There's Nate Burleson, uh, you know, and... uh, I'm sure there's other folks, too, but those are the two names that come to mind. And it does seem like a more popular career path for people in sports to end up in news. Back in the day, you used to end up in sitcoms like Alex Karras on Webster. Uh, you're doing uh, Good Morning America, right?
1: Yeah, uh, well, true. But uh, uh, again, I, I vouch for Tiki and how hard he works. And I, I will say publicly here. I love working with him. There's not a more personable guy. There's not a more giving guy of his time and his insight and helping me and different broadcasts and different stuff that we're doing. He works hard at it. He hustles. And I love the conversation about now being in the position to criticize as a former athlete. And you've got to say when the in the in the New York market, because Tiki and Brandon Tierney were doing national. More Mm -hmm. so national stuff, not so much New York specific. Well, now they're on five days a week on the powerhouse. You were speaking earlier about King Kong unleashed or Godzilla stomping on little cities. Uh, WFAN has been that way in the New York market and in the sports radio world for four decades now. So they're the midday guys now. And when the Giants are doing well, they'll say they do well. But when the Yankees stink, you got to say the Yankees stink. When the the Knicks make a bonehead move, they're going to say it. You're going to criticize. You're going to be the one saying it and uh that's part of the gig as somebody that did sports radio daily uh locally and 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 all the time nationally for the better part of a 20-year career you're going to have to have opinions you're going to have to have criticism you're going to you're going to talk about how people screwed up you're going to talk about how they screwed up on the field screwed up off the field that's part of it that's part of what the job is john so yeah absolutely just different for him in that regard. So we thank Tiki for hopping on board. Hope you folks enjoyed that. Let's get on with it. Let's get to the conclusion. Love it or leave it. All right. You mentioned earlier, we don't know what the numbers were for the U.S.'s win over the Iranians uh in the in the final part of the group stage. It did get the United States through a one-nothing win. Uh Kristen uh Pulisic. Got the uh, game-winning goal, as it turns out, and injured himself while doing it, and had to take a trip for observation at the hospital uh, after being injured in the first half of the game with an abdomen injury. So they won the game. They'll now play the Dutch. They'll, they'll play the Netherlands Saturday. We don't know how good you know midday that Tuesday rating was. It's still going to be some time. Again, read the site to find out of it uh, out about it. John, uh, are we loving this matchup with the Netherlands? The TV network. What What is it? Uh, Fox is not loving it. They're putting it on at what time? Saturday for the uh, for the U.S. knockout game?
2: Fox is saying 9 a.m. It's actually 10 a.m. 9 a.m. includes the pre-match coverage. So tune in at 10 a.m. No one needs to wake up early to watch an hour of pre-match coverage <laughs> at all.
1: Uh, so that will be on on Saturday and now it is do or die. And it's before all the college football gets going. And it's worth noting Fox does not have an early college football game, correct? Yeah. You were setting me straight on this. They'll have that Big Ten title game that Tiki and Greg Daniels are working on radio, national radio. Fox with Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt will have it in primetime, Michigan and Purdue. So the soccer will actually be out of the way once the college football, the Big 12 title game, and the other title games uh, that are going on early. I think it's the MAC championship game is also going on early. The the United States in the World Cup will be over before those games. get. Presumably, if there's overtime, if there's penalty All kicks, right. it might bleed into the first half of those games. But presumably, presumably it'd be over.
2: Wouldn't it be nice if Fox had the Big Ten title game as a direct lead out from that? Uh, I mean, it's, it gets a little bit dangerous. You don't want too much overlap. But right. Well, that would have been the ideal scenario. Uh, I mean granted realistically uh, this is kind of a boring looking conference championship weekend on paper, not a lot of exciting matchups. Uh, so you know certainly to get people to watch Purdue football, you got to have a nice mm. big lead in, right? You got to you got to have some some reason for people to tune in and watch Purdue play.
1: We shall we shall see. Do you have a quick projection on what you think that might do with the understanding it's a couple hours earlier on Saturday morning?
2: Oh, I have no idea. I mean, I really don't. I mean, it's so hard to predict. I mean, I'll, I'll come up with some predictions by the weekend. All uh, right. I'll do, I'll do a ratings predictions for it. But...
1: Read the site to find out more. Yeah. My prediction will be that even at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, adjust the time zones, it's at least 12 million people that'll watch. It's a knockout yeah. game. Oh, well, of course. Do yeah. or die. Do- I'm going to go at least 12 million.
2: Yeah, and it's Saturday, My amateur Saturday guess. morning. You know, people are used to watching Saturday morning TV, right? Uh, Doug, Pepperan, Recess, The Weekenders, Teachers, Pet, Hercules. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. i go back to saved by the bell for some but i even go back to the saturday morning cartoons like bugs bunny the roadrunner saved by the bell this.
2: city guys and the one with dick butkus hang time as oh, well love it. listen to show. you
1: you just go you just go deep into the weeds on that let's continue love it or leave it all right uh another one here on this uh interesting that uh, for all of the talk uh about Twitter, uh, there was all this talk that the election night was going to do Twitter in. Yeah. There was all this talk that the World Cup and the amount of audience and the amount of tweeting was going to overload Twitter and do that end. I think what we're finding is that America and the world still loves them some Twitter. It's well, still nope. around, and it hasn't broken, John. And people are well, still tweeting.
2: Yeah. Look, there's some witch casting there. There are people who don't like Elon Musk. I don't blame them for not liking Elon Musk. But, uh, you know, let's let's be serious here. Um, Twitter is not going to vanish in one day, I don't think. Uh, anyway, it seems pretty unlikely to me. Uh, you know, there's always some kind of hyperventilation about Twitter. Uh, the latest now is that they're going to stop enforcing the COVID misinformation policy. The funny thing about that is the AP article about it, which is like very, oh my gosh, you're gonna stop enforcing the COVID misinformation policy. And then one of the people, the AP quotes, like they interviewed this person was Eric Feigl ding who, I mean, you're 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 really that's that's hilarious. Elaborate
1: on that again, for those not aware of what you're referencing. I
2: mean, This guy is just one of the all time worst in the history of Twitter, which is saying something somebody for whom there is no bottom to the level of uh, panic inducing tweets. Uh, nobody of any consequence considers him a serious authority on this disease, which means, of course, that he's very popular. Uh, and the reality is that uh, if you want to talk about misleading information about COVID, whether he's intending for it to be misleading or not, I'm not going to make any judgments, certainly uh, he would be at the top of my list of people who have been putting out misleading information. And they actually speak to him and quote him (laughs) about the danger of Twitter's policies. So that I thought was hilarious. But Uh, the reality is Twitter is not going anywhere, Uh, at least as far as I know. Right. Maybe some of the technical problems. I I don't know. But, you know, the Mark Twain
1: line rumors of my demise are greatly exaggerated so far. Not the case.
2: Let me put it this way. Twitter may become less uh, Twitter may become a less pleasant place to be because there will be fewer guardrails against spam and harassment and things like that. But this is a purely as a source of information. I mean, this to me, that's the only reason to use it is networking and information. Mm -hmm. If you're using Twitter to learn what's going on in the world. I mean, you can do that, but it's not
1: the best. Well, and again, we point out there are tens of millions that don't tweet and don't go on it and don't right. see it. A lot of them are older. I'm not being uh, generational biased, but there are a lot of that are, old, that are older that aren't on it, that may be right. on Facebook. But they just look at pictures and Instagram to look at pictures, but they're not on they're not on Twitter. Um, I just I find the whole thing still to be fascinating uh in in particular on the left on the woke side of things the liberal side of things the people that are losing their minds that there would be another point of view and then threatening to leave and comically and hypocritically threatening to leave and yet they're still sticking around because they realize in a lot of cases i still need this to publicize what i'm doing so i can threaten to leave but i'm not actually leaving, John.
2: But let's be fair. There's nothing that liberals can do that conservatives can't do as well. We've seen this so, so often, all the complaining about Twitter moderation and Twitter censorship. And Trump only left because he was thrown out. He'd still be there if he wasn't. This is just a human nature.
1: Well, but let's just, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole for 15 minutes. Let's just keep the record straight that there was one side of the aisle that was being shadow banned, deplatformed. Elon Musk has admitted this and has continued to say, we're finding more and more of what exactly was being alleged was actually happening. So now, if the hyperventilation, to use your word, is over, the other side gets to have their point of view, and then the fall protest of, I'm going to leave, or we should shut it down, or we should get it out of the Apple store, yeah. But wait a oh, minute! Yeah. But wait a minute! I'm not actually leaving right. because there are five hundred thousand people that follow me, and I got to get my content out to them. So I'm not actually leaving. That's yeah. what I'm just I understand where
2: you from. I'm just saying. That- it's the exact same way on the other side. That's, that's all I'm saying. Because, I'm look, I find it obnoxious as well, right? But, you know, I mean, it's the exact same thing. Oh, I'm going to go create Gab. I'm going to go create parlor, You know, I'm going to go do my own thing with Blackjack. And if you remember the Futurama line, you can finish the rest of it from Bender, right? You know, it's like, this is, look, the reality is, regardless of the political persuasion, the people who make up the soul and backbone of Twitter are 35-year-old high school juniors, these are people who never grew <laughs> past high school, right? And they have the emotional maturity that they did twenty and thirty years ago, right? And that's why we deal with the hyperventilating nonsense, regardless. In my view, regardless of political persuasion, and you know, look, the reality is, Twitter. It would probably be good if Twitter went away, but it's 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 very difficult for me to imagine that it will.
1: By the way, and this is documented from Elon Musk putting it out there, their usage and their time spent on it is through the roof since he took over. For whatever that's worth, he's di- – I mean, the the graph looks like climbing Mount Everest in mid-October and November for whatever well, it's worth for the temporary.
2: You don't want more people using Twitter. <laughs> I'm just – I'm you saying know, it's contributed,
1: I guess, to more, but we'll, we'll see how much more and how much it sustains. All right, let's move on real quick. Love it or leave it. One more to lighten it up. Did you have, you don't have to tell me if it's going to reveal somebody's secret surprise. Did you have a killer cyber Monday deal or black Friday deal that you're particularly proud of that you're loving right now to take advantage um, of a good one?
2: Yeah. I bought too many things. You know, I, I got a lot of deals, but you know, it all adds up. I, I, uh, I bought an Xbox earlier in the year, and I realized I don't play any games, and I sold it uh for, you know, uh, okay. about, about 400 bucks. And then I bought the smaller Xbox because I realized I want the option to play games.
1: <laughs> okay. You
2: know, so I, I got that for about $200. But you so
1: feel good about the deal you got?
2: A little bit. I mean, you know, I actually feel much worse about buying NBA 2K for 35 bucks, <laughs> even though that was half price. I feel bad because... 2K hasn't been a good game in years. I've only bought it because of the NBA eras feature where you have to start in like 1992 or 82 or 2002 and play in an era specific part of the NBA. Haven't tried that out yet, but that's why I bought it. Uh, I got a used 4K Blu-ray player. I bought one new and it, was, it just seemed too crummy for $270. So I sent it back and bought a used one for a hundred dollars less and seems to be about the same interesting uh, i got car wash uh, i did start watching that it looks great car wash looks great uh you know um, you're talking
1: about the movie now that we're yeah. talking, you were talking about that There's before richard aren't. Pryor and yes. george carlin i'm Ellen speaking Abram. your language but there are a lot of people that are under the age of 30 that have no clue keep preaching
2: under, probably a lot of people under the age of 40 you don't know either <laughs> uh, i got car wash i got airplane on blu-ray as well i'm gonna watch that soon uh you know i got my got Fraser on blu-ray you know, Oh, Frazier, love it it's Great.
1: Uh, toss yeah. salad and scrambled eggs for you yeah, you're gonna exactly. be good you're exactly. gonna be good on that and uh, i got oh, i did get a couple of good deals myself yeah. which i'm proud of and i need one of them to get delivered because of what what is up with the shipping are we going back to everything is stuck in the suez canal oh, again and, and supply got, chain we got to get this stuff
2: I got. uh, I ordered. I ordered a TV and got it. I got it a
1: day early today,
2: so that's good. You know, uh, I saw
1: on some of the stuff that it's going to be like the second week in December, even though you were ordering it last weekend for Thanksgiving weekend. What's up with that? Yeah, thought we were solving all of this. Okay, good enough on love it or leave it. Uh, Anything else in closing? We're good, I think, for another edition of the show. Yeah, Um, I think with all with all that's going to happen, we got college football championship Saturday. We've got the World Cup with the United States and Netherlands. Uh, are we yeah, going to yeah. actually be able to Dutch? Are we going to be able to advance to the final eight of this thing? Maybe, you know. I mean, I mean uh, it's it's amazing that in all the history of this, we've never been in the final four, much less won the, th- or at least recently, not been in the say final this, four or won the thing.
2: I will say this: it's it's a bit of a controversial point to make because of the whole issue with the equal pay and all that. But I'm just talking strictly ratings. There's no bigger draw in soccer in this country than the men's team the women's team obviously has played to larger audiences because they've actually made it to finals. But if you look at the men's team getting, you know, they're getting 20 million viewers. You know, I'm I'm anticipating that the match window for Fox will be in the 17, 18 million range, 20 million viewers for, you know, a group stage match.
1: I mean, they're the women's world cup. What are they getting five or six for a group stage match or seven or eight? Something, something like somewhere that in that range
2: um, certain somewhere in that range. Like the first match they played in 2019 was by like 2 million on Fox or something like mm. that. And then they, they're not but bad as the draw. drama built
1: right. and it's a knockout right. game and the potential world cup winning game. I mean, all things,
2: group. all things being equal, the men's team is a, is a substantially bigger draw. It's just that all things aren't equal. Cause the men never advance past like this first, this round. Knockout right. state. So if we actually see the men make it, if the men make it as deep as the women have been making it, we could see some very interesting numbers. I mean, I'm going to let see... you in a
1: little secret. They may win on Saturday. They ain't making the final four. There's too well, many great exactly countries. There's too many great countries that can put it on them. I just don't know that we're there yet, and we're young. The captain, right. Lewis, is 20 years old. We got a 20-year-old team captain on the United States. I love that for the youth of it. Uh, I, I only know, uh, other than
2: Pulisic, I know Tim Reed's name. Uh, because yes. he's the dad on sister sister
1: <laughs> are you talking about tim reed uh wkrp in cincinnati as well
2: Was he on that
1: Yes, i, I, I
2: only, only know him way? as the dad on sister
1: Sister. Get, get that on blu-ray go back and watch dr johnny fever and venus flytrap tim reed uh dad and, sister, sister
2: and married to the second mom on the fresh prince
1: as well <laughs> all right we were we're going old school 70s 80s TV, and even into the 90s. We've covered it all. John, thank you. Uh, As always, we appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to reading more on the site about all things World Cup, football, championship Saturday, NFL, all of that. Uh, We thank you. We thank Tiki Barber for being with us as well. John, thanks. Have a great week. No
2: problem. Thank you.
1: There is John Lewis. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Again, follow or subscribe to this podcast feed, the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. For now we're good for another edition. Thank you for being with us.
4: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient.